here's where we're at, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, and I just want to lead with a question. Uh, I think that we've, we've all been here before, but have you ever misplaced something really important? So uh, maybe it's something like your, your wallet, your, your keys, your, your, your phone, maybe it was a password, maybe it was a child. Hey, it happens and we get separated from time to time. But, uh, or maybe kids, you're watching and uh, maybe it was a, a game, a toy, a stuffed animal or something that, that was just really important to you. Uh, it, was mis- it was misplaced and you couldn't find it. And uh, whenever it was misplaced, you probably lost peace. Uh, it was hard to rest. It was hard to you know, be content. And as goofy as this sounds, I, uh, I recently misplaced something that I use every single day, and, and that something was actually my AirPods charging case. <laughs> and so uh, basically what, I, I, what I'll do pretty much every day is it's no stretch for me to say that um, I will use my, my AirPods. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to music. I do a lot of learning and listening, podcasts, sermons, books, that sort of thing. I talk on the phone with these, and so, man, I use these all the time. It's, it's no stretch to say that they're uh, something that I use often. And so my lot in life for about a week, uh, because I'd misplaced these, was uh, clumsily borrowing Victoria's AirPod charging case and trying to get a little bit of juice on these so that I could use them for a few hours. And then next thing you know, they would, they would die and, and they wouldn't keep going. And uh, so right, I mean, right about the time uh, that Victoria, because she's a very uh, patient and thoughtful wife, she was like, hey, he uses those all the time, and uh, I, I'm just going to go ahead and I'll, I'm going to get him another pair for Christmas. Right about the time that she was getting ready to do that, I went out to the car, the kids were down for bed, and I wasn't even looking for it, and I look in the, in the rear floorboard in, in my Toyota Camry, and uh, out of some gym shorts roll, sure enough, the, the AirPods charging case. <laughs> and I, I feel like an angelic choir started to just like erupt with praise and just sing hallelujah in that moment. Or maybe that was just me. It didn't sound that good. But uh, I, was, I was so excited. I, I went back with this, in the house with this goofy smile on my face and I was going to tell Victoria the good news that I had found my charging case. And so I go up to her and I was like, hey, I've got good news. She's like, what is it? And I was like, I found them. <laughs> so she, she gave me a big hug. She was really gracious. And we celebrated with popcorn and a Christmas movie. And it was a really fun time. And sure enough, the AirPods were reunited with the charging case. And uh, I, man, I just want to say that uh, what, we're, <laughs> what we're dealing with today is so much more important than uh, some silly AirPod charging case that you might misplace. Um, what we're dealing with today is something that we all misplace, and that something is peace. And uh, if you think about it, peace is one of the hardest things to get and one of the easiest things to lose. And what is peace? Let's, let's be clear about what, what are we talking about today. Well, peace is actively trusting God with your today and your tomorrow. That's what peace is. It's actively trusting God with today and tomorrow. And what is the opposite of peace? Well, let's think about this. The opposite of peace would be fear. The opposite of peace would be anxiety. And I just want to say, as I talk about this, I'm, I'm not so much talking clinically or psychologically. I want to talk about this very important issue uh, theologically and, and pastorally. Because biblically speaking, there's a lot that is said about both fear and anxiety. 
And they're, they're closely related, but there does seem to be a difference that's helpful for us as we try to overcome both. And we see this difference. It comes from the way that Jesus and the biblical authors talked about it. And here it is. Fear is about today. Anxiety is about tomorrow. So fear is about today and anxiety is about t- tomorrow. So we see this in a few places. Uh, one of the places where we see that fear is about today, what's happening like right now, right in front of you, what's going on in your day. Uh, we see when Jesus was with his disciples and he was crossing the sea. And uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 37, I just want to sh- show this to you real quick. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So this is happening right now. But he... Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So when we're stressing, God is often resting. It's not because He doesn't care. It's because He, he doesn't stress over the things that, uh, that we stress over. Uh, he doesn't stress at all. Uh, he, I mean, the earth is His footstool, and He's in complete control. And in this moment, uh, let's see what that looks like. Uh, but He, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke Him and said to Him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. What this makes me think about is that moment whenever you walk walk out into a parking lot and someone's car alarm will go off. And it'll start beeping and everybody knows it's going on and everybody's like kind of annoyed. And then the owner of the car will walk out and they'll have, um, they'll, they'll have their key fob in their hands and they'll press that button and, and it'll go beep, beep, and then it will turn off. And they're like, yeah, guys, sorry, that was my car. I just needed to press this button and it's over. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And so basically that's what Jesus does with this storm. The way that we are with our car alarms, he is with the storm. He walks out and he says, yeah, guys, all right, I get it. Okay, this is my storm. Let me just go ahead and peace be still. And he silences the storm. And then he said to them, watch this, Why are you so afraid? In this moment, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Another example of this about fear being about today is Luke chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, when Jesus has been born and the angels begin to rejoice over the field uh, where, where the shepherds are keeping their flock by night. Luke 2, 2, 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And watch this. They were filled with great fear. And verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So fear is about today. And then anxiety is about tomorrow in the... The, the primary place uh, and passage in Scripture where we really learn about uh, anxiety is Matthew chapter 6, straight from Jesus. Jesus talks about uh, anxiety as, as if it is about tomorrow. So Matthew six thirty four, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. What could happen that would not be good? What will happen that would go bad? For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, what does it look like when we're anxious and afraid? We're, we're afraid today, we're anxious about tomorrow. Well, I, I think two things kind of sum it up. There's a lot of ways that you could talk about this. But one is this, we're restless. So if, if you are sick, or, or, or maybe you get sick, you, you might say something like, 
well, I don't know how this is going to end. Or, or you're single and you really want to get married and you really want to meet that special someone. You're just like, I don't, I don't think that I'll ever meet that person. Or I don't know who would love me. Or I don't know if God uh, cares enough to provide that for me. Or, or maybe you just feel stuck with something in your life and you're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this. And, and, and you're, you're restless. You're, you're not able uh, to calm your mind. And, and, and then there's also, you're suspicious. You, you, would, you would say something like, man, I can't trust God to meet my needs. And so what I've got to do is I've got to figure out some way to somehow take control. So when you're anxious and afraid, you're restless and suspicious. Here's the trouble with that. We're broken. We're limited. And we are imperfect. And because of all those things, because of our, our sinful condition, because of our selfishness, all those things... We can't find peace in our own power. And that's why we need a Prince of Peace who will come and will bring it to us in His power. And I, I think that if we, could, if we could find and keep peace in our own power, the advent of Jesus wouldn't have been necessary. A Christmas would not be necessary. But here's the good news that I want to hold out to you today and this Christmas. It's this. Jesus was born to give us peace for today and tomorrow. Jesus was born to give us peace for today and tomorrow. So peace that will calm your fears today and peace that will quiet your anxieties for tomorrow. And so through, through this Advent season and series, we've been coming in close on these four powerful and personal names disclosed in history through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. And in this promise, we see how each of these names are pointing to Jesus, and each of these names meet us in a place of need without Him being our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father. Uh, we, would, we would lack peace. But I want to show you one more name and uh, pick up with me in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Notice the present tense language right there. So this promise is dealing with our fears. A son is born, a child is born, a son is given today, dealing with our fears. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Not shoulders, plural, as in he's going to need our help, but his shoulder, he's going to be able to do it uh, without us and for us. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, and lastly, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So from these two verses, I want to offer up two great truths about peace this Christmas. And here's the first one. Jesus brings peace for today, so we don't have to be afraid anymore. Notice verse 6 says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. So it's, it's, he, he's here. And, and He's come, and, it, and it's, it's something available to us today. And His name shall be Prince of Peace. 
So fear, it's about what's going on today. And I want you to notice that this promise is worded for today. You're afraid? Well, a child is born. A son is given. In other words, you're not alone. God is with you. And as Hebrews 13, 8 says, this Prince of Peace is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I just want to ask you this. What are you afraid of right now? What has you afraid today? Is it something physical? Maybe you think, I can't have peace because of some illness that I'm dealing with or a loved one is dealing with right now? Or is it maybe something with, with your appearance? Maybe some image uh, or, or, or insecurity that you have about, about your body or your, your appearance and how you look. You, maybe you just don't feel lovely or maybe you just don't feel capable uh, is it something that's relational? Maybe you have a relational fear and you might say, I can't have peace today because today I'm divorced. I'm widowed. I'm, I'm separated. Or my, my marriage is riddled with conflict. Or uh, I'm, I'm single. Maybe that's, these are some things that you would say. And so I, I, I can't have peace if this is my place. Uh, maybe it's a financial or, prof- or professional uh, fear that you have. Maybe you'd say, I can't have peace until I make another $10,000. Or I can't have peace because I hate my job. <laughs> I can't have peace because I don't have a job. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's professional, maybe it's material. Maybe it's something you don't have now, some, some possession, and you can't have peace without it. And for some of you, maybe it's something that you really need. It's it's something practical and just a basic provision that you need. Uh, For others of you, maybe it's something that you just really want. You could do without it, but you just maybe you want it a little too much. And you're like, I can't, I can't have peace because I don't have these things. And here's what I would say: beneath beneath these fears is a much deeper fear. It's deeper than not having some material possession or some health condition or, or professional position or, or, or paycheck. And, and here's, I think, what it is. It's, it's the fear that we are rejected. This is what many influential secular writers even agree with the Scriptures, that beneath all of our fears and all of our anxieties is this low-grade sense that we're not welcome that we're not wanted. And where does that come from? Well, it comes from this deeper fear and this deeper reality that we have to understand if we're going to understand Christmas. And it's this fear that we are at odds with God. It's, it's this fear that, that we're not in a right relationship with our Creator, the one who made us, the one who, who we were created to be in relationship with. And this always has been and always will be our greatest fear. And here's how we know that that's true. Uh, Think back to the beginning. Uh, When was the first time in history that humanity experienced fear and anxiety? Well, it was only after we had rejected God. You go back to the garden in the beginning, Adam and Eve. Basically, we thought that rejecting God and going our own way and being in charge would bring all this freedom and accept us. Uh, but it left us anxious and it left us afraid. It didn't go so well. 
And so what did Adam and Eve do after they went their own way and rebelled against God? They hid in fear and anxiety. And why was that? Well, it was because separation from God is separation from peace. Uh, Until this point, Adam and Eve didn't have any money problems. They didn't have any marriage problems. They didn't have any health problems. They didn't have any body image issues. There was no relational strife in their home. And I would submit that this is what makes Jesus the Prince of Peace. Because even though Adam and Eve broke peace, here's what's beautiful about God's character, is that God came searching for them to restore peace, to re-offer peace. And in doing so, what He does is He gives the promise of peace. You see, in the wake of our rebellion and separation, God turns to the enemy, the, the sneaky serpent in the garden who tempted Adam and Eve and who tempts you and me. And here's what He said. I want you to see this in Genesis 3, 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking about between uh, the devil and humanity. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So what this was referencing was actually the first mention of Christmas in the Bible. What God promised is that he would send a child born of the woman who would resist the enemy, who would rescue humanity, and who would forever restore peace. And here's what's interesting is right after this, God gives Adam and Eve a vivid picture of how that peace would come. You see, at this point, Adam and Eve were not just anxious and afraid. They were also ashamed. And and where does shame come from? Well, shame comes from sin. Shame is the result of our sin. I did something wrong, and now what's happening is I'm struggling to be defined by anything else than what I have done wrong wrong. And it leads to despair and shame. And so that's where Adam and Eve are at right now. Instead of being clothed in the acceptance of God's love, which is what they were created for and what we were created for, they're now physically exposed. It says that their eyes were open to see that that was their reality now. And they were ashamed. And so for them to have any semblance of peace from here on out, they needed to be clothed again. They needed to be covered to have peace over their fears. And I want you to see what God does. This is powerful. And this sets up the rest of the the pattern of salvation in Scripture, and it's a wayfinder to the Prince of Peace, Jesus, what He would do. Genesis 3, uh, verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So here's the question, where did those garments of skins come from? They they didn't just come out of some some store that God bought them. I mean, this this was something that came from a sacrificial substitute. And we don't know if it was a lamb or not. I mean, it very well could have been. Because we look ahead at John 1.29 and we see that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away our sin because He clothes us with His love. And so what what we know is that from this point on, peace would only come at a price. It would have to be purchased. And so for peace to be restored, someone else had to be punished. I mean, we, we understand this because there's no peacetime without wartime. 
We only know what peace looks like because we actually know what war looks like. And what happens to restore peace? Well, well, blood must be shed. A price must be paid. And so through wartime conflict, there's got to be a price paid. And there's going to be bloodshed and much more. Here's what we see, and this is the setup. Much more would innocent blood be shed to restore peace through our conflict with God and through the fears that condemn us. And here's what's, uh, what all fits together and how it's all fulfilled in Jesus is, is uh, just like Isaiah promised the birth of Jesus in Isaiah 9, he also promised the blood of Jesus in Isaiah 53.5. You've got to understand this if you're going to understand peace, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the punishment that brought us peace, and only with His wounds are we healed. His punishment purchased our peace. And what this tells us is how if we want to be healed of our fear and anxiety, we must look beyond the cradle of Jesus, and we must look upon the cross of Jesus. Because that's where our peace comes from. Understand that on the cross, Jesus bore our sin and He wore our shame. He took all of our fears, He took all of our anxieties into Himself on the cross. And so what happened is He was treated as our rebellion deserved so we could be treated as His righteousness deserves. I think about 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This was the price that the Prince of Peace paid to relate to us as as an eternal Father instead of an eternal Judge. And here's a way to think about this. 30 years after being born in a wooden cradle, Jesus would be nailed to a wooden cross. And the last words that he would cry from the cross where it is finished. And in Greek, that's one word. It's tetelestai. And it's the, it, here's what's interesting about tetelestai. It's the same word that would be scribbled down on a tax bill when it was paid. It was like a receipt. It meant that the debt was clear and that you were at peace. The government was no longer coming after you to tax you, to charge you to collect a debt from you. And so Jesus was looking at your sin the same way and saying, paid in full. Debt is cleared. You can be forgiven by the eternal government of heaven. You can have peace again. And I want to tell you, it is only by faith in Jesus' finished work. No matter what we're facing, we don't have to fear You can know peace today because the Prince of Peace can cast out all of your fears. His perfect love casts out fear. So the first thing is that Jesus brings peace for today. But next, I want to show you how Jesus brings peace for tomorrow. And this means that we don't have to be anxious anymore. So here's the question that I want to put in front of you. What is it about tomorrow that makes you anxious? What are you you anxious about for tomorrow? What about your future makes you anxious? And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about if you get, you know, you wake up on Christmas and uh, you open presents and you're going to get that wow gift. 
you're anxious about whether or not you're going to get that. You know, for me, I'm, it's, it's just an interesting stage and season in life. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to get some socks for Christmas this year. I mean, I'm just looking forward to that. And I know that's pretty underwhelming, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I'm not talking about, like, you getting that gift that you want for Christmas. I'm not talking about who's going to win the college football playoff. I'm not talking about what's happening on social media right now that maybe you have some low-grade anxiety because you're watching this and missing that. While stuff like that can leave us unsettled, we're dealing with something so much deeper. I mean, think about those deep longings that you have. Uh, what, what it w- would feel like if those longings went unmet. So let's go back to those same categories that we use for fear and let's apply them through the lens of anxiety. Uh, physical, relational, financial, and material. So maybe there's some physical anxieties. Maybe Are, are, you, are you anxious that you may never be healthy again, physically healthy? Um, or, or maybe that your loved one may never be healthy again. You know, I'm, I'm 35 years old, and I, I thank God that, that I have my health, that, that, that I'm healthy, and that's a gift. I, I, I thank God for that. But there is something about the future, um, even with my health, that I look, look out and I'm like, man, you know, I've never had good eyesight. Since the eighth grade, I've had what's called astigmatism, and it's been like pretty intense, and I wear contacts and glasses, and... There's kind of this looming sense of what if my eyesight gets worse and I can barely see? I mean, that would be an example of of anxiety. But I don't know what that, maybe that's something for you physically. You're looking forward to the future and you're just like, I don't know if I'll be well. Or or maybe it's something uh, relational. Or are you anxious that you will never meet that special someone? Or are you anxious that that someone who you met would never make you feel special again? Uh, I would say that these are such common human anxieties because these are human needs. It's to know and be known, to love and to be loved. And what this longing is pointing our hearts to is our need for a a greater love that that came down in in a manger and was laid down on the cross and can be found nowhere else. Or maybe it's a a financial or, or a professional anxiety that you have? I mean, are you just deeply anxious about how you're going to pay the mortgage? How are you going to afford the groceries? Uh, how are you going to recover from all of the Christmas shopping? And are you deeply anxious about where things are headed up at your job? And then there's, there's also material. I mean, maybe there's some possession that uh, you've just set your heart on. And I mean, it could be everything from something that you just legitimately need to something that maybe you just want a little too much. I mean, I I use the example of of AirPods, but maybe it's a phone, uh, maybe it's shoes, maybe it's a purse, uh, maybe it's some hobby, maybe it's a car. I mean, you you name it. But what I want to point out here is that beneath all of the anxieties are spiritual longings. The the French philosopher Blaise Pascal famously said, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. What's he saying right there? He's saying, no Christ, no peace. But if you know Christ, then you can have peace. And I think that it's amazing how this precious Christmas promise from Isaiah addresses all of this. And I want to show you how really quickly. 
verse 6, we read that the Son is given. He is born. Not was given, not yesterday, but not will be tomorrow, but is, present tense. It deals with the fears of today. That's what this promise is for. But then in verse 7, notice how the Prince of Peace is coming will take care of us tomorrow and forever. Deals with our fear, deals with our anxiety. Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of His peace. Watch this. Future tense language, dealing with our anxieties, there will be no end. On the throne, complete control, of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it from this time forth and, again, forevermore. Talking about tomorrow. Friends, one day the earth, uh, the, the earth is going to experience the peace promised in Isaiah from the beginning of time all the way back to Genesis fully and finally. Because the baby who was born, who grew up and died on a cross, also rose from the grave. And let me tell you, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's not coming back in weakness as a baby. He's coming back in power as a king. And it will look very different. He he will come and he will right every wrong. He will end every war. He will cure every disease. He will wipe every tear. He will quiet every fear and he will calm every anxiety. Peace will be on earth. Faith will become sight. What a day that will be. And so I have two invitations for you this Christmas. First of all, will you trust Jesus with what you're afraid of today? Those things that have you afraid right now. And secondly, Will you trust Jesus with what you're anxious about for tomorrow? And here's why we should. When you look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, when you look at the name Prince of Peace, we have a prince, there's a throne, there's a king, and a forever kingdom. When we most lack peace, it's when we we most lack control, right? What does a prince have? Control. What is a kingdom about? Control. What is a throne about? Control. And so even when we lack control, we can have peace through the one who maintains ultimate control. All of these things communicate control. And so as you celebrate Christmas, do so with peace. Do so with peace that comes from a God who is in control. Do so with peace from a God who you can trust in today and look to tomorrow. Do so with peace knowing that there is a God and He is good and He's in control and He will take care of you. Let's pray together. Father, we give You credit for the way that You have revealed Yourself to us through this precious promise and prophecy that was given many years ago. God, uh, we, we look to You not, not just for others to call you Wonderful Counselor or Mighty God or Everlasting Father or Prince of Peace, but we want to personally know you by all of these names and see you meet our every need as only you can. So Lord, I, I pray that the peace of Christ would rule in our hearts this Christmas. And I pray that we would cast every anxiety 
on you, that we would bring all of our, all of our fears and all of our anxieties before you in prayer, and in doing so, you would bring a peace that surpasses understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.